0: There's really a couple key points to, to talk about. And that is number one, that every healthcare system, as you talk to their leadership, will tell you that they're experiencing decreasing, decreasing inpatient volumes, decreasing reimbursement, increasing costs. And of course, there's a there's a we're spiraling out of control as it relates to the, the incidence of chronic disease. And so as a result of all those things, in the very next sentence, every health system is recognizing that going forward, they need to be treating patients in an outpatient environment whenever medically appropriate, and they need to be in the business of prevention and wellness. So that's the first point, is that this is the future of healthcare. So the second thing is that based on this, I truly believe that in the next 10 to 15 years every health system and every community in the country will have access to this these kind of preventive facilities and wellness related programs to help manage chronic disease and to keep people healthy and well and out of a hospital bed and so having said that there's a couple of ways you can approach that so health systems are looking for opportunities to collaborate and therein lies the opportunity with commercial health clubs um, because commercial health clubs and the people that have been involved in that sector of the industry have special expertise that health systems don't have. And so there's value to that. And so therein lies a significant opportunity. The other thing that health systems may choose to do, in in addition to collaborate, they may choose to develop these projects on their own, but they're still looking for expertise in this space. So having said all that, the key thing to be the key, the key considerations to be successful then is that uh, a commercial health club uh, needs to be um, needs to adopt the me- the key points related to the medical fitness difference. And so what those are very quickly is medical oversight. So there should be a medical connection with a, or affiliation with a health system and or physicians, and that every decision made within that environment should have Uh, physician input or oversight. So whether we're purchasing new equipment or introducing new chronic disease risk reduction programs, there needs to be an affiliation or collaboration with a with the healthcare community in that regard. Secondly, as qualified staff, every staff member needs to have the appropriate qualifications and credentials to be doing what they're doing. And what that means is, is that they're available at all times and you don't have to pay additional for that. In other words, in many commercial club settings now, in order to get expertise, you have to hire a personal trainer or health coach. In the medical fitness model, every staff person there has that expertise. And that's part of what people purchase and part of the value when they join this type of environment, this type of center, get involved in this type of programming. Uh, Next is clinical integration. So there's a blend of patients and members in this environment. They're all working together to get well and stay well. And by doing that, this type of environment produces better outcomes for the member, the patient, and the business. Um, And then um, next is programming related to uh, chronic disease. reduction. So the focus of the programming and services in this environment are all about Um, offering uh, providing expertise that helps people manage or prevent chronic conditions and achieve uh, you know stay healthy and well and out of a hospital bed as I said earlier and finally is safety Um, these have to be this all has to happen in in the absolute uh, safest way Um, and our focus has to be in keeping people absolutely safe as they go through this process and we need to be known as the center's that, um, that help people get healthy and well, but they do it in, in a way in which they are optimizing safety at all times. You
1: just heard Doug Ribley talking about three key ways that the fitness industry can evolve to meet the demands of integration of healthcare. We're in the last episode of our Frontline of Fitness series, and we're talking about how the fitness industry can evolve from here. Where do we go? Doug brought up some great ideas and insight. And in this last episode, we'll extend upon that further. So get ready for this last
2: episode, The Frontline of Fitness. This is Mike Stack, host of the Wellness Paradox podcast. This is Dr.
1: Darian Parker, host of Dr. D's Social Network.
2: And this This is is The the Frontline
1: of of fitness. Fitness. Uh, fitness industry evolution. And I think this is the holy grail here. This is how do we pivot from where we're at to the future of where we're going to be. And you know, when I think about this, this is, there's so much talk about the future and mm-hmm. all aspects of our lives. I think the pandemic and then anytime you in, you provide an intervention that changes the reality of most people, it makes them think about their existence. Yeah. And I think it has certainly made the fitness industry think about its existence, its past, its present, and the future for that. So in your mind, where are we headed? Where
2: should we be headed as we move forward in this? Yeah, I think we've we've learned the hard lessons that you know we we were not perceived as we thought we were perceived. And, and I think on some level, and, and justifiably so, we've looked back on the historical context that got us to this point. And when we mentioned this in our initial episode in this series is that, we have been an industry that has traditionally been pretty exclusive to people who are, you know, physically fit, Um, you know, in a lot of cases, um, you know, primarily Caucasian, higher socioeconomic status individuals like that, that has been our industry by and large, very exclusive, not very inclusive, we have been getting the fit fitter for far, far too long. And so I think we've realized that. And I think we realized what we've done to do that. We've had certain messaging uh, that spoke to more so the aesthetic uh, vanity benefits of, of exercise, uh, more of the, the luxury benefit of exercise or the entertainment benefit of mm. exercise. You know, we we're, were looked at as like an entertainment product. Well, <laughs> That's the that's not healthcare. You know, that's something <laughs> alt- altogether different. So I think we we've seen that, and I think we've looked at our ads. And you know, I used to work for bally Total Fitness, which you'll remember because mm-hmm. you're of an age to remember. And I just remember our ads with you know guys and girls and next to no clothing, you know, really really attractive body types. I, I, look, I worked in ballet clubs for almost ten years. I never saw one person that looked like any of the ads we put out. <laughs> And it's just like you know, how representative are are these ads and these images? So I think we we've looked at that, and then I also think we've looked at our our mindset towards who we are. And I, I think we've we've said, hey, you know, we're, we're fitness. We're we're not healthcare. We're not this. We're not that. And, we, and for some level, we've prided ourselves on being different. But now we're starting to realize, man, all these things created this mess that we got ourselves into. And so now it's, all right, you know, we are healthcare providers. Our clubs are healthcare infrastructure, full stop. You know, that's what we are now And you know, we'll kind of talk about this a little bit more as we get into this. We need to do the things to make that a reality. Like we said at the end of the last episode, it's one thing to say it and to talk about it and have the idea and write the paper. It's another thing to actually operationalize it and do it. And that's kind of what we want to talk about in this conversation.
1: Yeah. And you know, and piggybacking off of that about the message, which I think is important. I've recently been in a lot of conversations about we need to change the message and the messengers of what's happening here. Uh, We are experiencing a tremendous amount of messaging issues related to uh, health and fitness. The messaging issue is a huge problem for us and again i want to be one of the people to say is partly it's our fault like we we have been self-inflicted wounds on this for so long we have put out a message that says hey you have to look a certain way you have to have this amount of money you have to be in this category to enjoy this the benefits of this for that and so we have excluded mm-hmm. so many people and i i think and I'll talk from my point of view on this, and this still happens quite a bit. As, as a black American, I rarely see people like me, almost ever in our mm-hmm. industry. I would like to see more of that, but that message has not spoken to people of my ethnicity, hardly ever, for, and has not been a part of solving a lot mm-hmm. of our issues. That has been a big part of helping us understand the importance of whole care or being healthy and our new definitions of that so we need to have more inclusive messaging we need to be aware of like weight stigma again which is something i've really come into of like this needs to be a discussion Mm -hmm. that you know we we are all different we are different Mm -hmm. many the biodiversity of humans is actually incredible yeah we can't put people into these same boxes for that so we, like, I think we need to really have a, a discussion about special populations and understanding those things and, and how we can be better accommodating to different body types, different populations, different socioeconomic economic aspects of people and to reach that 80%. But we're just doing a terrible job of it right now, I mean
2: yeah we we are and and you said it a lot a lot of what you mentioned there you know i think that the first the first thing that this all starts with is you know awareness and where we have you know contributed to this problem in the past and so you know if you're listening to this series and said man you guys talked about a bunch of heavy topics that these things <laughs> seem to require a lot of work and a lot of conversation you know what can i do you know i'm just a, i'm a facility owner i'm a manager i'm a trainer like i'm just one person what can i do well You know, change is top down and bottom up. It really is. And we're going to keep working on the top down. But until then, you know, the bottom up is critical. And, you know, the first thing I think is, you know, is awareness of this and to make the changes you can. You know, if you are a facility owner, you need to think in your marketing, how do I actually get images of the people that look like the people that I need to serve? You know, the people who are a little bit more overweight, the people who are maybe a little bit more out of shape, Uh, you know, people of different body shapes, sizes, uh, different races and ethnicities. Uh, You know, it's crazy. And Darren, I'm sure you know this better as a a black man than than I ever would as a white man. But, you know, you look at like even stock imagery, like you go to try to find a stock image of a diverse exercising population, you can't do it. You really, really can't. And then when you do occasionally find... Um, a, a, a black individual. Normally, it's some, it's a Billy Blanks looking a super
1: dude. Yeah,
2: <laughs> black guy, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it not, not, not. It's hard to find a woman. It really, really is Completely. a black yeah. woman. And so it's just like all these things like that has to change. We're not going to change, you know, iPhoto or whatever these these yeah. stock image sites are. Mm. But you know, you can go out and you could take those pictures of your members. You can hire people who look like this 80% of the population that we want to attract. Now, they still need to be qualified and they still need to be educated, but you know, I'll say this to all the facility owners out there. We all have front desks with receptionists you know, those people don't need to be have fitness qualifications per se for the most part, depending on your business model. So, you know, why does it always have to be the super fit individual that wants the free membership so they could look better for spring break? How <laughs> come it can't? How come it can't be the slightly overweight individual right. that you know wants to improve their health? Because guess what, they're the first person that somebody sees when they walk through the door, and if that person looks like them, they're all of a sudden, you're going to feel a little bit more comfortable about being in that environment. So we have to think: what's what's the imagery both in our advertising and the actual, you know, th- three dimensional humans that are in our facilities that are that are the image and likeness of our business? You know, how, are those representing the twenty percent of people that we're all fighting over, or the eighty percent of everybody else? You, know, you got to find the right humans to be in those positions, but we needn't, and we have in the past. And I know early in my career, I was guilty of this. Mm-hmm. If somebody came in and they were overweight, I was less likely to hire them. At some point it was just an unconscious thing. but then eventually right. it was a conscious thing. And then I started to realize after it became a conscious thing, like, hey, you know, this isn't the right path. So I think you know it, it's, it's realizing that. and you know we talked about weight stigma and I know this is something that you, you've became you know, more and more interested in. I've had some great conversations around this you know this is our our conscious and our unconscious bias towards you know people in you know bigger bodies it is we we associate a a moral quality with body shape and size and you said it it's biodiversity everyone looks different you know everyone stores body fat different it, it, no two people are the same it's it's the beauty of humanity that it we're is. all so unique yeah but yet you know, we draw this demarcation point and we say, you know, oh, people who are lower body weight, smaller body size, those are people who uh, somehow work harder, have more discipline, um, are more intelligent, whatever it may be. And that is objectively not true on any level, but I don't think that many people realize it. So uh, you know, I'll, I'll turn it back to you in terms yeah. of, you know, what, what you've learned on weight stigma, um, and then we'll get into special populations, and some other things in a yeah. second. Like, what are your thoughts on, you know, how professionals actually you know, become aware of their weight stigma biases and, and what they can do to mitigate that?
1: You know, I think it's interesting when you talked about facility owners or, um, executives, leaders, general managers, fitness managers, whole thing. Uh, I can say one of the things that I did, um, When I was running a club for over a decade is I always hired a lot of different type of people, Mm -hmm. whether it's trainers, front desk, tennis, all that, because I wanted my staff to see all different types of people. Mm -hmm. This was like a big thing for me. Um, Also, I was working in a a luxury environment, Mm -hmm. but I also knew that the majority of people there who were white had really not seen a lot of black people or Mm -hmm. people of color. And I wanted that exposure. I think exposure is really important. And for facility owners, directors, managers out there, I want to tell you something very powerful, very powerful. So when I was working in these environments, always, always any of the residents who were there, members who were Black, always came up to me, would give me a hug, and I represented hope for them all the time. Mm. And they wanted to work with the other black trainers and now because so I'm just saying is there is a whole population out there of members who are not training or or purchasing services based off of you have nobody for them that looks like them. Yeah. And, And you might think, why can't I capture this? Like, it may be that simple. It is that simple. You need to diversify your staff. You need to diversify the body types on your staff. Same thing goes with age. I used to always have several uh, trainers who were older trainers mm-hmm. because we had several residents who were older and wanted someone that was more their age. They yeah. don't want a 22-year-old trainer training them when they're 65 yeah. or that. You need to have a diverse staff. I think it's really important. And as Michael said with the marketing, uh, which I think we're starting to – I've seen some things. You see some commercials now and you're seeing different body types by apparel right. companies. I'm seeing yeah. that with apparel companies for that. But I think the exposure, which is, which is the downfall of a lot of people. It's not that people don't know. It's just they haven't been exposed. They haven't mm-hmm. been. Think of you've never been around a certain ethnicity. You've mm-hmm. never been around someone who was larger than you. you, you your mind has been closed completely yep. to the idea that this person is different than what you think they are
0: mm-hmm.
1: or that. So I think the exposure aspect of that is really important. But the weight aspect as fitness professionals, executives, owners, we have to get out of this mindset that somebody who is larger cannot be athletic Mm -hmm. or that they cannot be proficient in the things they're doing. That Just because they're this size, that they're not healthier Mm
0: -hmm. or
1: they they don't have better whole care than a person who is thinner. Believe me, there are plenty of Thin people who are in horrendous condition,
2: Absolutely. horrendous
1: condition. They just look like they're not in bad condition.
2: Yeah. 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 You got it, man. And so it's, I, I totally agree. Like if you wonder why you're not attracting certain segments of the population, look around at your staff, look around look. at your marketing. Yeah. And you say to yourself, is it any surprise why the people we've attracted look a lot like the people who are in our marketing, the people <laughs> we hire, But people go, they want to go to places where p- they feel comfortable. And the easiest way to feel comfortable is similarity in, you know, in, in body type, shape, size, and so on. So you know, again, I, I think you are at the nail on the head. It, it's a, it's a consciousness and it's a, you know, d- don't take our word for it either. Like, you know, run the experiment. Like, yeah. actually, you know, p- put some trust in the fact that this could be a reality and see what see what happens. You know, when you hire, you know, people that are different from the the shape and the look that you you do. But like, I mean, that that's only part of this because yes, it's just we, part of it. Yeah. We, we have to we have to hire and, and put images out with diversity, we have to message appropriately, we need to start to shift our messaging away from, you know, the body composition outcomes, even away from some of the longer term outcomes into some of the more proximal outcomes to activity and movement and exercising. And, you know, my good, my good friend, Michelle Seeger, who's a researcher out of the University of Michigan that's wrote a couple of great books. Uh, the Joy Choices, her most recent one, No Sweat is another one, she's amazing. You know, she talks about, you know, how do we make, you know, exercise, you know, instantly gratifying? What are those instant gratification benefits? And a lot of those, honestly, and this is I think is very important contemporarily, is the mental health benefits of exercise you know, the, the mood enhancing benefits, the stress yes. reducing benefits. So, you know, we need, we need to, we need to talk about outcomes that are, you know, proximal. The reason that fast food marketing is so successful is they put that, you know, that steaming slice of pizza <laughs> that's pulling out of the pie there and with the cheese, just oozing off <laughs> it. You see that you can go get that and eat that. And the instant gratification are the, exercise ads that are out there the diet ads that are out there they show this rip jacked physique well guess what if if you're going to get to that point not to say that's a point you should want to get to but if you did get there from where you're at right now that's like months or years down the line yeah. so we're we're really short circuiting the way we're wired from an evolutionary biology level like the piece of pizza is going to win every time because i can have that now versus <laughs> the eight eight pack that i can have in you know 10 years so you know, we need to be aware of that messaging But the bottom line is an industry. Here's the the bottom line for professionals. We have to produce outcomes. We have to produce tangible outcomes. We need to be able to produce those outcomes with special populations. And and by special populations, I mean individuals with chronic diseases and disabilities, with high cholesterol, with diabetes, with depression, anxiety, substance abuse disorders. We need to actually understand the pathology and the physiology of those conditions. We need to understand medications, indications, contraindications, prescribe appropriately, but measure pre and post. We need measurable outcomes. Healthcare works to to whatever extent it works because they measure outcomes. And if we're gonna play in that space, we have to measure health outcomes, fitness outcomes that aren't just body composition, and then subjective outcomes. You know, uh, mood scales, you know, pain Mm. scales, function scales. Like, you know, we need that robustness of data collection to actually show in a very tangible way that we can produce meaningful outcomes. And then we need to send that to healthcare providers. And we need to send it to people's primary care physician. We need to show them the outcomes we're producing. So, you know, I, I think. That is something we can start doing right now. We can get educated, which goes back to one of our previous episodes. But beyond that, like we can track these outcomes, and we need to because it's an outcome-oriented endeavor. Healthcare, whole care, it's an outcome-oriented endeavor.
1: Most definitely. I mean, it's it was very refreshing to have a conversation like this, um, because it gives hope that there are people thinking like this, and they're saying, you know what, we have to change we have to change some things and actually these are very changeable things to do if you're in a club you're running a club you're working in a club whatever these are things you could literally be doing very quickly yeah. very yeah. quickly like one thing is you know that a lot of people consumers that come to health clubs fitness clubs and they're trying to lose weight but they often have a very misunderstood idea of weight loss and that they put the entire onus of weight loss on the professional to take care of that understanding that that is a very inefficient yeah. means this is you're not here for that. Yeah, you think you're here for that because you've been socialized into that. You got it. But the professional needs to educate the consumer, which they can do literally right now and say, no, the facts is that this is not the reason you're here. This is not weight loss is not what this is for type of thing let's talk about something that is going to happen to you today in this session you're going to feel better you're going to feel more confident you're going to walk out with your head high and like wow i accomplished something today that's an immediate gratification for that we got to change this language we got to speak the language a lot better because you if we're it. speaking this language that is feeding into these false narratives related to weight loss or health healthiness then we're not, we're just part of the problem. We're not part of the solution.
2: You got it. And if you think we're being Pollyannish, when we talk about this, we're not, this is actually shifting, you know, people's perspective. And here's, it's, it's not, it's not difficult, but it's also hard. And and, meaning that like this takes some work and it's nuanced conversation. It's being empathetic. It's being understanding. It's being willing to, you know, walk the path with somebody, but it's, it's socializing them with a different perspective. You know, it's amazing how so many things change in life when you just tilt yourself by five degrees, you know, one direction or the other. And, you know, that's, that's, that's what we're suggesting here, because if we don't do that, you know, like you said, we're, we we are, we're part of the problem. We're perpetuating this. And uh, these are things, you know, we've talked about some heavy, heavy subjects in in this series, but when we talk about the ground floor and operationalizing this, we're not saying you got to do all of this just start to do one of these things. And, you know, it's, it's the old, like, you know, how to eat an elephant one bite at a time, you know, start with something that can make an impact that can can make an early win. And, you know, we're going to give you a couple more things uh, to think about before we let you go here. Um, You know, starting to speak the language of healthcare, I think is so important. It's, you know, we need to get out of our, you know, our bro language of the gym (laughs) and actually, you know, talk anatomy, talk biomechanics and talk, you know, in a manner to healthcare professionals, as to you know how they are used to being communicated with. And I'm not saying you need to sound like a medical encyclopedia by any stretch of the imagination, but we have to learn that terminology, and we we have to be able to use it freely. I said this in one of the previous episodes. We got to look the part. You know, we we uh, shorts and a ratty old t-shirt does not suggest you're a healthcare provider. And you know, I'm not saying we need to walk around in a lab coat and a suit, but you know, maybe there are certain things you can do from just an appearance standpoint that make a difference. You know, maybe it's, you know, Khaki shorts and a polo shirt. Maybe that makes you look a little more professional. I don't know what the answer is. I'm certainly the last person that should ever provide any fashion <laughs> advice to everyone. Anyone, but I, again, it's just it's it's just this awareness. And you know, here's here's the bottom line before we we wrap this up into into something to take home, is that as fitness professionals that are uh, making this transition to being healthcare providers, the easiest way for you to start to build this bridge to healthcare is to make the physician's job easier and to build value around how you can make their job easier. You said it earlier, man, physicians are so overburdened. They have more patients. They have less time. uh, They have so many documentation requirements. Everyone's had the experience in the doctor's office where, you know, the doctor's talking to you with his back to you and his head down, typing in a computer. He doesn't want to do that. It's just the nature of the system that he's in. So wouldn't it be great if you as a fitness professional said, hey, you know what, doc? I know you need your patients to be more physically active. I have a solution to that for you. Let's collaborate on this together. Now, all of a sudden, he's got a trusted resource and his job becomes easier as patients become healthier. So you you can do that today. Those of you that are out there listening that have a client or a member in your club that's a physician that you have a good relationship with, start talking to them about this. They desperately want this. They they want their patients to be healthy. I truly believe that, Darren. I don't believe I that. Too. I don't believe that, you know, everyone in healthcare thinks, "Oh, we make more money by the fact that people are sick." I, like, yes, like objectively that is true on some level, but I don't think that's that that's a byproduct of the system, not the people in the system. So, there's there are so many things that we can do, but it just it starts with that fundamental mindset shift that we are not fitness clubs. We're part of the healthcare delivery system. We are not fitness professionals. We're healthcare providers. If you can make that, that ideological shift in your heart and your mind, and then start conducting yourself in that manner, based on all the things we talked about, then, you know, we have a a grassroots bottom up movement, pun intended there movement that can Mm -hmm. actually make a difference in our health.
1: Well, and it, and it, I want to piggyback on that with kind of the language too, is like, is there as we wrap up, is there a need to change a lot of the language or the titles of the things that we're doing in our facilities? You know, throughout the years, I've heard many things. We're not personal trainers, we're we're like movement specialists, we're health and human performance specialists. Like, do we need to have a common language that is not what it currently is about the titles of these positions to make it more? a part of the system
2: of healthcare or whole care for that. Yeah, I agree. And I, I don't know what the exact term is. I don't know but, either, yeah. but, but I, I, I don't think it's personal trainer. I don't think need, so either because we have to, we have to rebrand that, that is, that is the old branding. And we need to figure out what, what the new brand is, you know, movement specialist or movement therapist or something like that. Like mm. I, I think words like, you know, movement activity, I, that those are much more approachable terms yes and are you know exercise and you know other things you know hit training i understand that that's what the acronym is high intensity interval training mm-hmm. i get it but hit training has a certain connotation to it we talked about this before boot camp has a certain connotation to it you know the other thing and uh, listeners may have noticed this i'm very i am very very cautious of using the word gym even Mm -hmm. i try to avoid that amy batham and i had a great discussion on this it's you know it's not a gym it's a health and fitness club because you know for you or i maybe gym class was a blast in high school and i used to love gym class right but how many of you listening right now and i'm sure you're the same way darren and i know i was i you had a friend who like did anything to get out of gym it was was a horrific memory for them so you know what's what's the connotation there so it's just like there has to be this level of awareness and intentionality behind everything we do, if we're going to make this paradigm shift as an industry. And that was one of our goals for doing this series is it's clear that, you know, you and I, we don't have all the answers to this. If anything, you know, the more and more we talk, the, probably the more questions <laughs> yeah. that, that we generate, but you know, what we hope to do by having this conversation is just, amplify the conversation and to keep it going so a bunch of really smart, really passionate people uh, can take the baton from people like us and say, you know what? Yeah, we can advance these concepts and these ideas and we can actually do something with it. So, you know, it is awareness and it is intentionality, but we said it earlier, it's action. Like, great. We've had this action. discussion. Now, you know, let's, let's do something about it. What can you do today? What can you do tomorrow to make a difference? Not, you know, who do you need to talk to and have a meeting with? To decide you know, how to make these changes. Not saying you shouldn't be strategic. Just saying, like, act, do something. Like Tony Robbins says, you know, massive action. Like massive take action. Some action.
1: You
2: know. <laughs> well, Michael, it's it's been a
1: great pleasure uh, doing this four-part series with you. Seriously, when I. I have been observing Michael for a while, and he has a great podcast, Wellness Paradox, and he talks to amazing people, and he's curious. I love curious people, and curiosity is one of the greatest gifts to humans ever, but if you don't use it, you're not going to find a lot of joy in life if you don't get yourself out there, so Michael, thank you for your curiosity and agreeing to do this series. I appreciate you.
2: Yeah, I, I enjoyed this immensely, man. Thank you so much.
1: You got it, man.